You must not be stampeded by rumors or guesses. Let us unite in banishing fear. It is your problem, my friend. Your problem no less than it is mine. This is a Spud Goodman Show. Radio Show, and here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy, it calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, I am Spud Goodman and welcome to my radio program, which is coincidentally titled The Spud Goodman Show. Uh, with me is our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. You can say hi now. That's just two letters, so make it quick, all right? Yeah, right. Uh, hi, everyone. You know, as Spud said, my name is Gerald Holcomb, and I'm excited to get this show started. Yeah. Now, listen, right. I may not know exactly who's going to be on tonight, but right. I'm very confident it will be an excellent lineup. Well, you are correct in your prediction, yeah. as I expect uh, this to be a pretty decent episode. I also should acknowledge our designated laugher, Gina. Tonight, she's with us. <laughs> hi, Gina. You know, hey, Spud, I was wondering if maybe the time has come where I would be included in the loop as far as the dissemination of the show lineup. Uh, I know the interns have copies of the schedules because I can see them well, holding them over that, there. No, the, the interns I'm are the essential personnel, okay? I've told you this many times. The show schedules are distributed on a need-to-know basis. Things seem to be operating just fine as they are. But if I knew who was going to be on the show, I could prepare some witty banter to add during your interview. Bingo! So can we move on now? I uh, I guess. Uh, you know, there is one thing I've wanted to discuss with you off the air, but maybe our listeners might find your response interesting. So can I ask you a question? Well, as long as it's not personal in nature, I still feel it best that we keep our relationship strictly on a professional level, which means no physical contact. That's number one. Uh, okay. Well, this is about your on-air questioning of celebrity Run guests. Run evade my space. I, I won't. I won't. But, you know, I always hear you ask them what their most memorable moment was, and I think the listeners would love to hear what your response would be to that are, question. Are you trying to shatter the talk show host celebrity unspoken agreement? Everyone no. in the industry knows the talk show host never, never answers a question that we ask a guest come on that would like level the playing field why would i do something so stupid well maybe because the listeners would enjoy hearing what you had to say you know a few of them actually do like you by answering what is your signature question it could maybe cement a bond between those few out there who consider themselves spud goodman fans Gerald, first of all, don't assume anything about Spud. Sure, a few fans like him, but truthfully, most would rather rub his face in the mud. 
as he's no star, he's basically a total dud. Hey, hey I, I may be a world-class talk show host, but I, I sincerely doubt anyone cares about my most memorable moment. Like, I've never been in like a hit movie or TV show, never written a best-selling book, never sang or played on a hit song, yeah. never even been in a porno. Off the air, I'm basically a pretty boring guy. Well, don't sell yourself short, Spud. You might have something to add that could really surprise people. Like, for instance... No, okay, of- the truth is, I mean, if I really was going to be honest, yeah, I do, but I'm not comfortable sharing it at this time, so let's just change the subject. Right oh. now, let's, let's let's play some music anyway, because that's what I love to do here. Oh. Uh, this is going to be a band that performed live on my Foxnet show, Failure, and the song is titled Stuck on You. It was uh, featured, or it is actually now featured on our YouTube channel, and it's up on our... A Facebook page. I, sh- I should say we we shot this thing in their dressing room. It was it, w- it was like a closet, not a walk-in closet, like an actual closet. It was pretty Small. tight. And also 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 should announce that Failure has a new album out now titled "The Heart Is a Monster." But here's the band live in 1997. Thank you. 
What's up, y'all? This is Cedric the Entertainer, and I'm on the Spud Goodman Show. Oh, yeah. I holler. Hey, uh, excuse me, Spud, but your first yeah. guest, Jim Gaffigan, is now holding for you. You know, I'm glad he could check in with us tonight, and now that he has that new TV show, it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, do you think you could do me a big favor and ask Jim... No, I'm if- not going to ask Jim to record another personal voicemail uh, greeting for you. Do you know how embarrassing it was for me when I, you asked Mark Marin to do that for you? You you really, you actually, he was already grouchy enough, and then you you really wanted me to ask him that. No, that's <laughs> not what I was going to ask Jim. And, and well, you know, that's not the reason Mark got a little grouchy with you you should not have mentioned oh now i'm taking talk show guest interview advice from a fill-in co-host well i'm just suggesting that you not upset jim here he's such a nice guy listen i'm a professional and i know what i'm doing just put him on Uh, okay Please say hello to comedian, actor, and author Jim Gaffigan hey as one of the funniest people on the planet i want to thank you so much for checking in with us tonight well thanks so much for having me it's exciting to chat all right jim I need to get this in. Your show airs each Wednesday night at 10 p.m., 9 central, on TV Land. And coincidentally, it's titled The Jim Gaffigan Show, correct? It is. And I, I had myself auditioned to play myself. And I, uh, I, you know, after some discussion, I ended up hiring myself. So it Super. worked out. Well, was that an easy sell? I mean, can I ask how many focus groups did it take before the network suits signed off on the name? You know, I'm just curious. TV Land might seem to be no, a little well, laid back, but I mean, they they do wear suits there. They're they're not like in Casual Friday all the time, are they? No, they, well, they're mostly Casual Friday at networks. But we made a point of uh, when we were doing this of uh, making sure that we did the show that we wanted. And some of why I wanted to name the show the Jim Gaffigan Show is that I wanted to uh, the show to retain my point of view. So. Um, you know, my wife and I, uh, we wrote all the episodes and, uh, you know, so we ended up, you know, we were reluctant to name it after me, but it's also, I didn't want to lose sight of that vision of, you know, it's like what works in my standup is what the show's about. And so, um, I know that then hopefully that doesn't sound arrogant, but it's no, just kind no. of making the show work. Well, you know, the synopsis is, you're, you know, the show's about balancing your, your character's life as a stand-up comedian with being the father of, of five kids. So here's my question. As an actual parent of five kids, I was just curious, if you ever had a sit-down with uh, David Keckner and shared notes, as he has five kids too, you know? Yeah, no, well, Keckner, um, when I guest hosted The Late Late Show, he was, uh, you know, I had him as a guest on the show yeah. intentionally for that reason. And, uh, you know, there's something, you know, crazy about the concept of having five kids and being a dad that, uh, you know, there's probably no coincidence that Kefner and I are both, you know, losing our hair because it's, it's no small task, but we, we do love it. 
Well, I don't have five kids, and I'm there too. Yeah, I I can can see that, definitely. Well, you know, one night uh, David was supposed to call in, but he had to put the kids to bed first, so we got it done afterwards. So, you know, it's priorities. His kids do come first before stupid radio interviews, that's for sure. But, yeah, I can imagine you must have your hands full. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah, no, people always say that. Looks like you got your hands full. And, And it's, you know, it's definitely the case. And, you know, the weird thing is, like, working on this show, we... You know, we wanted, like, the fact that we have five kids to kind of inform the story, but it's not, it's not like a full house episode. It's very much um, about a comedian who happens to have five kids and, and what his life is like. All right. But the reviews have been great. Yeah, de- definitely on that one. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's looking good. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, let me ask you, food is something a lot of people think of when they hear, you know, the name Jim Gaffigan. And the topic is featured on the new show. Off the air, may I ask, what is your favorite snack food currently? Well, I'm a, a I, I really love, uh, you know, Mexican food. But, you know, I'm, uh, I could probably eat like, you know, I've, I've had a four cheeseburger day, you oh, know, where... Super. You know, you yeah um, for lunch, and then just through the course of the rest of the day and night, you end up having three other cheeseburgers. So it's like I think my che- the cheeseburger is my kind of go-to. All right, that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Well, you've been in over 200 commercials, and I was wondering if you get a ton of free stuff, uh, like in food. Of course, I would be professionally negligent as a talk show host if I didn't at least ask if you were set up with like hot pockets for life after including them in your, your stand-up special. Do you at least get a thank you note from Nestle or something? No, no, you know it's you know it's not like I'm very positive about hot pockets, even well, though I yeah. think that I probably. You know, there's 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 no such thing as bad press. But True. I would say that um, you know I've gotten you know I tour around you know I'm I'm about to begin this thirty city tour and so I have gotten some free meals uh, you know uh, because I've been so complimentary of and they know that I'm a food guy and they know that you know I'll talk about it on Twitter if I enjoy the food but other than that there's not many freebies for me. All right, all right. Uh, well, you're also a best-selling author, having written two books, Dad is Fat and later Food uh, Love Story, as both made the New York Times bestseller list. So now, do you like want to branch out and maybe do murder mysteries or spy novels? Because you must get hit up by literary agents all the time to crank some stuff out. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so, you know, I mean, the books are fun, but, uh, you know, the TV show, it's something that I really feel like... Uh, you know, it's really uh, something that my wife and I kind of uh, have a knack for. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I won't do another book, but it's a lot of work, you know. And um, there's something about the immediacy of stand-up that makes, um, you know, the pursuit of creative fulfillment, uh, you know, really a priority. And so, you know, I think I get that in stand-up. I enjoy doing the books, but it's not like something I'm dying to do. Well, and for the record, you are saying you actually did write them yourself then. Yeah, yeah. That's for the record. All right, we have that down on tape. All right, hey, the initial season of the Jim Gaffigan Show uh, is 11 episodes on TV Land. How many seasons, again, does it take to hit the syndication lottery like the Seinfeld and Friends crew? I'm betting you got a good shot at it. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that you know, the um, the kind of 
classic network model of trying to get to 100 episodes is it's attractive. I mean, who doesn't want a big pile of money? But, right. I, you know, yes. we made a point of, like, uh, not going about this as uh, a money-making ma- venture. You know, I make a good living as a comedian. So we really wanted to make the show that that we would want to watch. And, um, and you know, if it, if it ends up having a long life, that's great. But, you know, it, we just wanted to make sure that it's a show that we'd want to watch. All right, all right. Uh, well, hey, I understand you did a USO concert uh, in at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, for military personnel in 2002. That was kind of a hairy time back then at the facility, so they must have really appreciated you doing the show. Did did they let any trustees in to see you too, or was it all just military only? Yeah, no, it's just military. And uh, yeah, no, it's I've done some a uh, fair amount of stuff for. Uh, for the military and stuff like that, but you know that 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 Gitmo thing was—I mean, that was just surreal. You I know, bet. it's just—you uh, know—it was just this—you um, know—and it's like you look at it from a historical context. It's, you know, some people are like, you know, you're you were down there, and like some of these prisoners were not treated well. How do you feel about that? But I don't know. It's like I don't think there's enough we can do for our military. I don't think they're paid well. I don't think that they're treated the best when they come back so. absolutely yes yes but anyway back to your new show with the family are you able to like make it a monday through friday deal speaking as a kid you know whose dad was always at the horse track seven days a week losing my college fund it's nice when a dad is like home on the weekends yeah no well you know the weird thing is like doing the tv show i i was i probably had more time with my kids when i was a stand-up comedian touring. Wow! Uh, that the TV show because it's a single camera comedy. It takes a long time to shoot those, but um, it's you know it's all it's all it's all good. You know, it's not like we're doing 22 episodes. We're just doing, you know, we just did 10. We had already shot the pilot, but it's good. Is it like nine to five, or are you uh, are you uh, up late with the night? No, stuff? no. It's it can be like it, it can be like you know. Seven to you know, eight, ten. You know, it depends if there's night shoots or, you know, it's a long slot. That's for sure. All right. Well, maybe you can get home in time for maybe the oldest kid to tuck him in, then maybe or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. definitely. Hey, Spike, all right. You know, both the wife and I are big fans of Jim. You know, it'd mean a lot to her if you could get him to maybe send an autographed hot pocket. I would send it to his people, of course. I wouldn't expect him to provide it himself. He must get millions of these requests, and and even though he probably gets a deal on them, that still would really add up over the years. You know the rule, no autograph requests for guests, all right, from staff? That is a hard and fast rule. But I'm more than just a staff member. I'm the co-host of the program. Temporary co-host. What? Temporary permanent co-host. Look, I will email the guy tomorrow and ask him about the Hot Pocket situation, but no way I'm going to hit him up right now for an autograph while I'm on the air. That is really tacky, not going to happen. So let me get back to the interview. All right, all right. Um... Yeah, my last question. What's been your most memorable moment as a member of the human race? That is, of course, my money question. My mem- most memorable moment as a member of the human race? I would say, uh, you know, I would say it's some moment with my kids. You know, that's definitely, um, you know, the, being a father is one of these weird things that it's hard to articulate, but it's a pretty 
special uh, situation, and I'm grateful for it. Well, hopefully someday maybe I'll experience that. All righty. I want to urge everyone to tune in to The Jim Gaffigan Show each Wednesday on TV Land, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central. Hey, man, I want to thank you again very much for checking in with us, all right? Thanks a lot. Take care. Mr. Jim Gaffigan. Hello, I'm Dr. Weiss. Uh, hi. Hi. Just so I'm clear, which one of you is here to discuss the procedure? Uh, just me. And these people? Well, these are my children. You understand it's not necessary to prove that you need a vasectomy. You know what, Doctor, I have a question. Um, in your medical opinion, which is more painful, a vasectomy or getting one's nails clipped? It's my wife. There's a history of mental illness in her family. Th this is her friend, Daniel. He's also our real estate guy. I actually mostly work downtown if you're thinking about a move or lunch. Uh, I'm not, but thank you. How you doing, Dr. Weiss? Dave Marks, uh, Jim's best friend. Stand up, I'm sure you've caught the act. You don't have any uh, free samples of penicillin by any chance? No. Nope. Okay, I'm just gonna. Any way out here? Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks. Here you go. Yep. This is quite a group you have here, Mr. Gaffigan. And this is just a consultation. Can't wait to see how many people you bring to the actual procedure. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions. The program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome the band Battersea to the show. Gentlemen, please identify yourselves and your instrument of choice, unless I would put you or your family in danger, and then a no comment will suffice. I'm Eric Ryder. I play guitar and sing. Super. Hi, I'm Nate Marshall, and I'm the bass player. Super. And I'm B.J. Robertson on the drum set. Very cool. All right. Um, hey, what would be the band's preference? Opening up for Radiohead one night only or co-headlining an outdoor stadium tour with Limp Biscuit? <laughs> Probably Radiohead. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Otherwise, I might hurt myself or others. <laughs> Unanimity? Uh, same. Yeah. Same. All right, super. All right, <laughs> a team player. H how long can any of you go without hearing at least some music? I myself am an admitted addict that needs to feed the beast throughout the day. How about you guys? None at all. Zero. News only. Oh, super. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I got to hear music pretty often. Definitely. I hear it even if it's not playing. It's just, I think it's an illness. I guess you're wrong. It's just constantly going. Yeah, it's just happening. Mm -hmm. What was yeah. the last song uh, you guys had uh, either on your iPod or phone or whatever you, that you queued up? Oh. Uh, it's a personal question. I just wow. have a need to know. Uh, there's this uh, new band that I found called Prince Vaseline that have a great song called Radio On, and I think that was the last thing I listened to. It was great. All right. hey, we've had Radio On on the show, but yeah, that's another band. It's great guys. Anyway, all right, so uh, what, what was your aha moment when you guys heard a band uh, when you were younger and knew, hey, I got to play in a rock band? Basically, what bands changed your life, I guess is what I'm saying. Wow. Uh, for me, it was probably Devo. I think for me it was um, Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast era. I was given a pair of drumsticks and I bought Thriller on cassette and some pillows and I started beating around pillows and that's when I know. But it was pretty, I was like, oh, this is pretty easy. So. All right, <laughs> super. All right. Um, well, what's the name of the first song you guys are going to do? This one is called France. All right, let's do it. Today, my girl is a France, alright. My girl is a France, 
somewhere on the Champs-Élysées. The Arctic Triumph is more triumphant today. Charles de Gaulle never had that string. Search Gainsbourg and Cassius never wrote a song that's as precious as look that's on her face. And I say, I should sing, I should sing, but you, darling, I love you. My girl is a France today, my girl is a France alright, my girl is a France today, my girl is a France alright, now go! And if they build a shunner with a traffic thing, I'll be there already on the left bank and I'll be waiting on her. And if they came out, Private aeroplane, yeah, I'm the vet in the square right next to Notre Dame where I'll be waiting on her. Waiting on her. I'll tell you now about the love that I feel, but I gotta wait for her to come down from the two I fell. Well, come down soon. Cause I love you. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission.
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, uh, Spud, your mom, Safola, is holding. Should I put her on? Well, what am I supposed to say? No. Okay. She's my here, mom. Here she is. Spud, my baby, I was sort of listening to your show tonight and thought I heard that Gerald or whatever his name is ask you to share your own most memorable moment with everyone. I think that is the most important question you ask a guest, and I know your listeners feel the same way. Mom, 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 could your opinion have anything to do with this question was your idea many years ago huh? when I first started in cable TV? Remember, you know, when I asked you what would be some good questions to ask celebrity guests, and all you said was just ask them what their most most memorable moment was. And, and now, after all these years, I have to ask everyone that one as people expect it. But damn, it's so lame. It's embarrassing to ask. Uh, you know, Mrs. Goodman. You know, I'm the temporary permanent co-host of your son's show. Who said that? This is Gerald Holcomb, ma'am. Never heard of you. So, Bud, don't you think your listeners would love to hear what my most memorable moment is? I've lived such a rich life, and there are so many possible stories I could tell. Uh, Mom, uh, don't take this wrong, but that question only really works with famous celebrities. No one really cares what the most memorable moment is for regular people. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I would agree. Celebrities are the top priority in our society. J just look at all the people perusing the tabloids at the checkout counter and at grocery stores. They're obsessed. There are all kinds of perversions. I tell this story about when I lost my virginity. That one is no, a real no. crowd. No, 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 you're not telling that story again, okay? So is, is there anything else? You, I, I got I got to get going here. Uh, Mrs. Goodman, unless your first sexual experience was with a famous person, it's probably best to keep that one within the family. Well, he was pretty well known in our neighborhood. He was an up-and-coming gangster from what I heard. At his age, I think he was 17, he had his own street corner. Hmm. Mom, the, the last time he told that story, and I, I think it was like at a family reunion, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, and then you said the guy was the paper boy, something about hooking up with him when he came to collect. He had a legit job as a paper boy, too, to launder the money he made on the corner, if I remember right. Okay, Mom, I am running behind, so i got to go. I love you. Uh, all righty. I love you, too, sweetheart. Toodles. Call me tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, could one of the interns go score me some Cool Ranch Doritos at the Mini Mart up the street for me? I mean, it's, I just have this, like, uncontrollable urge for them right now. And it's hard doing this talk show thing on an empty stomach. I think I'm also kind of getting lightheaded, so maybe an orange Gatorade, too. I need to keep my electrolytes up. Uh, yeah, I guess they can do that. Do, do you have cash on you? You know, I did. I left my wallet in the car. Oh. Just, just, just give them 10 bucks. Uh, okay. And I'll pay you back this time for sure. All right, all right. But, you know, I think the Doritos and Gatorade, they only maybe cost five bucks. Yeah, but time is money, even if they are interns, all right? I don't expect them to go to the store and not get something for themselves. Jeez, what a cheapskate. Well, no, no, I, I was just trying to make the point that $5 should do it as far as your purchase. They can maybe get a Gatorade, too, if they want. Gerald. Hey, our interns bust their butts working for free on this show. I know. And we can't buy them a snack? Man, you are one hardcore libertarian. Fine. <laughs> Trent, here's a 20. That's, that's all I have. So uh, buy yourself something, too, if you want. Just bring me back the change, would you? Hey, if you are, if you gave him a, okay, give him a twenty. All right, twenty. Hey, hey, Trent, get me a couple of those hot dogs they got there. Uh, they're not bad. Just just mustard and a little relish. Anything sure you say, Mister Goodman? They're not the old ones that have been spinning for like a week. The, got oh. it. Oh, he's. Got, you know, I might have wanted something too. 
Well, I guess he's gone, so you should have said something earlier. Anyway, let's get the show back hey, on track. Yeah, you know, Spud, you still have not shared your most memorable moment. Uh, like I said, your listeners over the years have heard you ask each of your guests this question, and you've never offered your own response. This would be a good time to share it with everybody. I, I could, but if I did, then there'd be nothing left of me for people to wonder about. Oh. There has to be some mystery left. That's what kills most marriages, people knowing everything there is to know about someone. Next thing you know, your spouse is cruising Ashley Madison twice a day. But don't displace your anger from three failed marriages towards a website. Just because your wives all told you to go fly a kite, there is no reason to blame anyone but you for your current plight. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. Uh, my wife and I know each other very well, and we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah, but have you checked her web browser history lately? Pretty sure you're going to find something sketchy there. Well, <laughs> check it out. Outside of Pinterest and Facebook, Rachel steers clear of most everything else, especially yeah, a website yeah, right, that right. might be inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, and I never cheat on my taxes. Oh. Scratch that example for the record. I would never do that. <laughs> just, we're going with that. So uh, yeah, you know what? My, my wife has very good common sense yeah. while using the internet. Yeah, if you I'll say so. Say hey, that. can you just check and see if our next guest is holding, please? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? I'm being told that she is. Uh, Spud, your next guest, Cherie Curry, is on the line. All right. Now she was a big rock star back in the day, right? Uh, yeah, they made a freaking movie about her band, The Runaways. It was based on her book, Neon Angel. Oh, well, you know, I don't know a lot about rock stars, as you're yeah. very aware of, so I may not be able to jump in and suggest any questions if you do need my help. Then I guess I'll just have to survive my interview with Cherie without your annoying interruptions. Uh, well, of course, I could suggest some general interest questions that might come in handy, like uh, uh, what brand of paper towels she well, prefers. Dude, just, just put her through, please. Oh, uh, right. All right, please welcome to the show rock musician, actor, author, painter, substance abuse counselor, and world-class chainsaw carving artist, Cherie Curry. How you doing tonight, Cherie? <laughs> I'm fine, Spud. Wow, that was uh, impressive. Yeah, That's I, an impressive resume. It is, it is. And, and we're talking about you. And you also have a new record out titled Reverie uh, that was produced by your son, J.K.'s, and it's now available on iTunes. Is that all correct? That is correct, yes. I mean, you can get the physical CD uh, through my web store, which is Cherie Curry Direct. Um, but yes, yes, it's, it's a really fun album, and uh, very proud of it. Super. Well, let me start at the beginning, because that seems like a, like a smart place to, to start. Um, you led a semi-normal life, uh, right, for a teenage girl living in the San Fernando Valley. You enjoyed, what, skateboarding, I don't know, surfing, probably shopping. And then at 15, with no prior experience, you're asked to be the lead singer in a band that became The Runaways. Was that like extreme confidence or total naivete that motivated you to like jump in and just go for it? Well, um, hmm, yeah, I was a surfer and I was a skateboarder and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, but I, I started. Uh, my friend Paul Lesperance uh, turned me on to David Bowie and Susie Quattro, and uh, and I really, um, when I went to see David Bowie in concert at the Universal Amphitheater, his Diamond Dogs tour, uh, I, I was just hooked, and something inside me just said, you can do this, and, and I, that I'd actually set my mind to it uh, before I met Joan and, uh, and Kim Fowley. Super. Well, the Runaways, what, were, were the first all-female rock band that, you know, obviously led the way to many other women later forming punk bands and, you know, kind of saying, hey, what's up with just the all-male vi male vibe, you know, in rock? So, I mean, you guys were beyond trailblazers, uh, 
I got to ask you, though, what I wanted to say was you later headlined, right? And you had all-male bands opening up for you. So did you, Lita Ford, Joan Jett, or Sandy West experience like like blowback, animosity, jealousy from the guys in those bands? No. Well, um, no. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Cheap Trick. I mean, they were just terrific. I mean, we really... uh, we were very blessed with a lot of these guys that we ended up wor- bringing them out here to Los Angeles and uh, and working with them doing gigs here like the Santa Monica Civic and you know in '76. Uh, but yeah, we did get blowback usually when we were opening first male bands such as Rush. I mean, they weren't all that kind, but oh, you know so um, what happened. But I also have to say that we were the first uh, teenage rock and roll group. Um, I, uh, all female, because I know there were other female groups uh, before us, but um, but we were the first teenage uh, female rock band. And I, I think the genre you guys uh, assumed, I, I, I saw it as unique, and I'm old enough to have been around. Uh, I didn't see anybody else like you guys, so I'll just put it that way. So. Um. Yeah, well, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, so your work with the late producer Kim Fowley, uh, he played a big part in your career, obviously. Uh, how much of an influence did he have on not just the L.A. rock scene, but internationally? Uh, well, you know, you just have to look at his resume. And, um, you know, Kim was truly brilliant. Brilliant. And, and what I really appreciate is that I had a chance to work with him before he passed away, not being a teenager, being an adult, being, you know, 55 years old, and to be able to really, really see his process, and my son as well, is something that I think is invaluable, not only for Jake, but but for me. I mean, I, I didn't even quite grasp how brilliant the man was, and uh, just one of the best lyricists, on-the-spot lyricists I've ever, ever seen. If if I could ask this, you you were from what I understand, you were kind of part of the uh, the caregiving team, correct? Towards the end of the, towards the end of his life. Yes, a couple months before he passed away, he did come move into my house. Um, he was here for nine days, but took very ill, uh, and he had to have another surgery. And uh, I'm out in the west end of the San Fernando Valley, so they chose to keep him closer to the hospital. So even though I would have loved to have uh, kept him longer, it uh, it just wasn't it wasn't going to work. He needed to be very close to the hospital. His particular cancer hospital, yes. Okay. Um- well, in your memoir, Neon Angel, you described a pretty wild scene during the Runaways' uh, rise and later, I guess, demise. Uh, would it have gone much different without, you know, the drugs and alcohol, or was that, like, inevitable that the band was going to experience it because you guys were so dang young, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? It, you have to, I have to say it was the culture of the 70s. I, it just was. So many people don't really understand that. Um... You know, it, it, it almost seemed to me like if you didn't do drugs, there was something wrong with you. I mean, because it just was commonplace. You know, cocaine and quaaludes, you know, two and all, classes, all that kind of stuff just was part of the club scene. It was, uh, and being young, you, you really, you just, you fall into it and you just uh, do what other people are doing. You know, that's kind of the thing. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's what happened. Well, uh Am I, would I be correct in saying there was not a whole lot of adult supervision, or at least maybe appropriate adult supervision during those years? 
No, there was not. Uh, well, no. Um, and especially on the road, uh, we didn't have, except for Europe, where uh, Jackie Fuchs had her mother come, who was a registered nurse, uh, to be, um, you know, kind of watch over us. And then also we had a gal from Capitol Records come with us to Japan. But our quest tours were always just us and the roadies and a manager, Scott Anderson. All right. So, Spud, if I may... The thought just occurred to me. Uh, no, Gerald, not this time, okay? Just butt out. I'm enjoying my interview with Cherie, so just just zip it. Right, right, got it, got it. Just, I, it's just an amazing story that all that could be thrust upon such, you know, young girls. It's, it, it, it's an interesting story, obviously. And gosh, guess what? They made a movie about your book. Uh, so when you first saw the 2010 movie, The Runaways, uh, based on your book, uh, just how weird was it seeing like Dakota Fanning on the screen living your life? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I really wish I could pinch myself and make me really believe it happened because it's, to me still, I, I don't believe. Uh, of course, Dakota was, is one of my favorite actors of all time. And, uh, it was a, a really a dream come true. It really, really was. And I think that Kristen Stewart was amazing as Joan Jett, and uh, Michael Shannon was, you know, exceptional as Kim Fowley. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, Michael Shannon is one of the all-time. I mean, he's he's a great. I just I just think he's just fantastic. But um, oh, and a wonderful guy too. A really good guy. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of my goal to see someday, you know, my life story uh, in a film. It's, it's probably, you know, maybe like Andy Dick could play me. It'd, it'd go straight to video, but it'd be so cool. I mean, <laughs> that, that, I don't know. I just, that, it's pretty neat that you had, you know, a movie. And it was based on your book. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, that leads me into my question of acting. Uh, because after you left the band, you were pretty successful being cast in a number of movies and television programs. Did you, did you find the same level of enjoyment going in front of the cameras as you know, playing a character as you, as you did fronting a band? Well, I did. I, I, I loved both of them equally. Um, I mean, the stage has always been something I'm just really comfortable uh, doing. And um, acting was, you know, a bit more challenging, but I, I, uh, I really did enjoy it very much. Well, I was very lucky with great actors as well. Yeah, I mean, you were in, you're involved in some pretty... Uh, prestigious projects and uh the i mean you 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 acted with with jody foster correct and you had i mean besides other gigs that you had but yeah i mean it wasn't exactly like you were doing uh extra parts i mean you were you just stepped right in there correct right yeah my first film was foxes and uh and jody was terrific she really was and very supportive uh, you know throughout the filming and um i know her mother didn't Really, we had a rehearsal like the day before we started shooting, and Brandy was not happy because I was very nervous in the rehearsal. But once the, the camera rolled, uh, you know, I I did my job. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about your job away from showbiz. Uh, in terms of employment, you've led a very interesting life. You actually later worked as a substance abuse counselor. Is that correct? Where'd you work? I did at Coldwater Canyon Hospital. Um, this was in the mid eighties. This was a, I started a couple of years after, uh, I got sober in 1984 mm -hmm. and I started out as a and, um, for $3.50 an hour and, uh, stayed there for about a year. And then, uh, they thought I possessed the quality of being a counselor. I went to school and became a drug counselor for kids. 
you're also known as a renowned chainsaw carver. Uh, how did you take up this art form? Because most people don't have a chainsaw hanging around in their apartment. <laughs> I mean, I've carved some crazy stuff. I think the craziest thing I've ever carved was a, uh, for a knife company, and it was a, a crazed goat with a butcher knife. Wow. <laughs> Super. So, but I've done stuff for the NAMM show. I've uh, you know, I competed in major competitions in 2005 and placed highly in two of them. And, you know, it's just something that I've um, I've really enjoyed doing for 15 years. My gosh. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you this because I ask this of all my guests, actually. But uh, for you, you have so many options. Um, this is my question. What's been your most memorable moment to this point in your life? I mean, you got so many options. Can you just pick one up? most memorable moment has to be uh, the birth of my son. Okay. Uh, probably not what you expected to hear, but, you know, uh, J Jake is, uh, he really is, uh, I feel, the reason why I was put on the planet. I mean, the kid's, the kid's so talented. He just signed to a major record deal, um, and he's he actually left yesterday on tour, and uh, I think that's, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me is is to see my son going on and doing things that that I was never able to complete as a young person right. in the runaways due to, to my drug addiction and, and all that kind of stuff you know it's great to see him uh, be so talented I'm very very proud of that all right super all right then uh, once again I want to say this as I stated you have a new album out reverie correct available now on iTunes so, I want right to, or or through, or, uh, or through Sheree Curry Direct. That's right. right. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to call in tonight. Hopefully, you know, we'll talk again. I would love that. Fun. Super. Ms. Sheree Curry. Can't stay at home, can't stay in school. Hey everybody, this is Richard Marks, and you're listening to my buddy Spud Goodman. You know, he gets the bad rap, but he's actually a pretty cool guy on whatever radio station this is, so keep tuning in here. Once again, Battersea. People often ask me, how I wrote the Kama Sutra? I tell them it was easy. I just thought of you and used a computer. Seems you got age wings, you got age 
wings, but in my dreams he always doing these devilish things. We still got heavenly grace, we still got heavenly grace, but there you are in my face, and you don't see out of place, no, you don't see out of place with me. And that's how I like it to be. Well, what would your boyfriend say? And what would it do if it knew? I would come a super arm. What would your boyfriend say? What would it do if it knew? I would come a super arm. I can't help but feel a bit like a crook. I've taken private loves and turned it into a best-selling book. I tried to write about other things, but none of those concepts sold themselves to me. Or my editor, or my publisher, or anyone who understands the bird in the bushes worth so much more than just your hand, just your Ted Marr is waiting on the line for you. Well, put him on. We're running late. Let's go. Hey, do you think you could ask Ted if any of those aliens he talks to are still doing that probe thing? Because I woke up the other day with kind of an unpleasant condition, if you know what I mean. Um, hey, just just do his plug, okay? Just oh, put him oh, on. Yeah, okay. Uh, listen, Ted Marr's Out of This World radio show can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific on KKNW, 1150 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is.
Please say hello to Ted Marr with this week's Out of This World segment. How are you doing tonight? Well, fine. Fine, Spud. Thank you so much for taking my call. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, tonight I was hoping you could maybe have a conversation with Benjamin Franklin, you know, about his penny saved is a penny earned deal. Uh, I mean, can you ask him how he feels about people now treating pennies like annoying garbage? Because that must be dispiriting to him. Because, you know, he, he pays attention to what's going on in the country right now, doesn't he? Let me meditate for a moment. All right. Okay, he's here with me now. He's shaking his head at the state of um, at, at the state of our country right now. Yeah, really? he he yeah he and the other signers of the Constitution worked so hard to create a a a a, a wonderful country, and for many years it, it is it, it was and it still is in many ways. But he's he's shaking his head because um, because of all the preoccupation with unnecessary security. He says that's been gerrymandered and fostered by an internal group within the United States. And he also is, is having me share, a, uh, wants me to share a famous quote of his, that people, that a country or a people who trades um, security for liberty deserves neither. Yes, yes, well stated, if you could tell Benjamin that. Uh, so he is more torqued about j than just the penny situation. There's a whole lot of issues that, 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 that are bugging him. Well, yeah, yeah, and the other thing too that does bother him is the Federal Reserve because he says that's in the he never they never met when they wrote the Constitution for a private group of private banks called the Federal Reserve to take over and print our money supply mm -hmm. because that's why he's saying now rapidly he's speaking very rapidly uh, in the in the uh, Seventh Amendment to the Constitution it requires that 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 uh, money be issued by our U.S. Treasury and it hasn't been since 1913. He says this is a this is a scam, and this is one thing that's hurt the economy of the United States is that we have to pay all this money to the private banks. Right. We shouldn't have to do that to print our own money. He just told me that now. Well, Benjamin's right on the money as always. What can I say? Excuse me, Spud, but don't you want to ask Benjamin Franklin about his position about today's Tea Party? I bet he would have something interesting to say. Yeah, I guess he was into that no taxation without representation deal, but the Tea Party people these days seem more into turning the clock back to the 50s, you know, 1950s, but without the GI Bill and FHA mortgage and that kind of stuff, you know. I think most of these dudes have already gotten all they can from the government, so maybe they want to call game over now. Well, I sure know they don't want anyone to mess with their Social Security or Medicare. It must be tough for them to hate government so much, but still accept a handout, too. You know, I think psychologists call it cognitive dissonance. I don't know what the hell that means, really, but I read about it. Anyway, let me get back to Ted. Hey, well, while you're on the paranormal phone, could you also, also ask how Robert E. Lee feels about his side's battle flag being retired finally? I know, I know he thought after Appomattox it was going to be toast, and he's probably amazed it's still flying in a couple of southern state capitals to this day. Gotta blow his, it's got to blow his mind. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's saddened, but you know what? From his perspective, you know, he says it's time to move on, actually. And and um, he says it's time to move on, and it's okay with him that that's being retired. Actually, good. Um, they're they're you know tell him thank lost you. In the, yeah, and he said lost in the struggle of the Civil War. He's also reminding me now too to tell your listeners and you, Spud, that 
there was a, there's a lot of states' rights that were lost back then. He's not talking about slavery. He says he knows that's wrong now. But but uh, with respect to giving more power to the people and power to the states, that was lost after uh, a lot of that was lost after the Civil War, of course. Yes, yes, that, that's a good point. All right, well, tell you what, Ted, we're or I guess we're out of time now, and I wish we could go on and on because I love this segment. Uh, um, you know. I'm, I'm going to be honest. This is becoming my favorite part of my program now, and uh, it's uh, it's it's. I, I, I'm a little surprised, but uh, it, anyway, I want to thank you so much for calling in, and I hope we can talk again very soon. I would love it anytime at all. I'm available, Spud. All right, Mr. Ted Marr. This is the Spud Goodman Show, and many happy fish. Oh, man. Would it make it any easier for you if I shared my most memorable moment oh, with the listeners? Who, who, who wants to hear a co-host's most memorable moment? If you must know mine, well, I was actually saving it for my funeral. It's in my will to like have it read to the many, many mourners that will be attending. I, I, and I'm assuming that it's going to be a standing room only event. And, you know, maybe we'll have to set up a big screen outside for the spillover crowd who couldn't get in. <laughs> you know, that's the worst part of dying, you know, not knowing how many people actually came to your funeral. I hope I'm still somewhere in that white light area a lot of people go to so I can look down and Check it out for myself. You know, let's hope your death will be many years down the road. By then, most listeners from tonight will have forgotten it, so you can go ahead and tell it like it is. No, no way anyone's going to forget my most memorable moment if I shared it right now. It involves a night in a hotel with a former heavyweight champion of the world. That's my teaser, and I think that's all I'm going to say. You slept with a champion of what? No. A wrestler? Jared from Subway? No. What heavy person did you have No, a boxer, a very famous heavyweight champ, and I didn't say I had sex with him. Jeez, he just let me hang out with him at the hotel. (laughs) You you know, I must say this, though. This has kind of been a, a pretty effective promo for my future funeral. Yeah, you know, but you probably got a couple good years left, Spud. Uh, hey, you may be a little younger than me, but you could choke on an Aaron chicken bone at any meal, so the age difference oh. balances out. No, no, no. I, listen, I'm careful. I remember what happened to George Bush. He almost choked to death on a pretzel or peanut or something. Eating can be dangerous. A peanut is not dangerous, except in the hands of one George Bush. Pretty much anything he touches is at best a push. So why the hell does Fox News continue to kiss his tush? Yeah, big surprise. W couldn't even eat a snack food without screwing it up. Anyway, all right, I am Spud Goodman. Be all you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show. No more a waste of your time than other vacuous programs currently on the air. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Potts and Tom Harmon. Executive producer is Lori Manson. Video director is TJ Bites. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Spud's Greek chorus is the folk singers in hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station. The sponsors or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. of Northwest music. This is an hour of sterling conversation. This is an hour of analysis of the previous hour of the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report.
Hello, hello, hello. My name is Lawrence, and I'm going to be your host for tonight's Spider-Man Post Show Report. And of course, we got with me my co-host, Gina. Gina, hey, hey Gina, I want to thank you for filling in for me last week. I really appreciate that because, you know, I had to make that unexpected visit back to California for a little, uh, Leo matter. Oh, you know yeah, saying. no problem. Yeah, I hope you don't mind. I shared with everyone that you went back for a parole hearing. So, did you graduate or whatever they call it? Uh, it well, not not exactly. Not now. I, I did get the word that that it wasn't going to be too long before I got my parole successfully discharged. Because all I have to do is keep a game for employment, you know. And they they're telling me that this job right here qualifies. Super. That? Nice. So that means they're not going to make you go back to prison in Pelican Bay. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I suppose I should say that Derek is also with us here in the studio. As no, no, know. no, they did not revoke my parole because I know that's what you're getting at. That's what you want to know, you know, because I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to tell you right now until at least I get a better radio gig because I'm pretty sure this is the line of work that I want to be focusing on. That's what I want to do from here on out. Now, I can't imagine like an easier gig because... Yeah, the show beats picking up like litter on the side of the highway, you know. Well, I, for one, am really glad that you have all your legal matters in order, Lawrence. I appreciate that. I don't know what we would do on the post-show report without you. I mean, I don't mind filling in occasionally, but with the new baby, it would just be too much each week. Well, you know, on that note, if anyone in management is interested, I would have no problems assuming the host duties if and when the need arises. But I, too, am glad they didn't find anything at your hearing, Lawrence, to put you back in lockup. They uh, didn't even ask you about the rumor about you getting back into art forgery. You know, about that that rumor there, you know, and one of the hearing officers kind of mentioned something about some allegation of, of uh, me painting something like that. I told him that I only yeah. do clowns now and that there's not a black not market for clowns not or anything super. like that going on. But I don't know where they heard this rumor. Yeah, well, I don't know what this. Last week was just not the same without you. Oh. You know, I listened to the air check tape of last week's show, and I have to say, I was really good. And it was really impressive, too, that uh, chem- the chemistry that Gina and I had developed, we were totally in sync. Really? Okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess that's good to hear. You know, we got we to gotta introduce the panel right now. We got Dave on the soundboard again. Hey, Dave. Hello, Lawrence, and it's certainly it's a pleasure to have you back here in the studio. Yeah, it's us. good to be back. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we got Mike, of course. He's turning the knobs up for us here. Hey, Mike. How's it going, Lawrence? It's going all right. How you doing there? Doing great. Nice, nice. And then, hey, we got our two ex-community college interns. We got Trent and Anna with us in the studio tonight. Hey, Trent and Anna, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Oh, nice to have you back with us here. You know, we do hope you get jobs and all that other stuff, but, you know, in the radio business. But until then, we're glad, we're glad to have you on the show. Super. You know. All right, we're going to get rolling into some music here. We're going to start with uh, something from Sally Ann Triplett. And this one's titled, I Get a Kick Out of You, which, you know, that was, of course, a Cole Porter tune there. And uh, we have something from the 90s. This is The Gits with a live version of Second Skin. Let's hear this. My story is much too sad to be told, but practically everything leaves me totally cold. Champagne 
selling t-shirts and CDs over there. Once again, the Gits. That's it for tonight here at the X-Ray Cafe. We come back tomorrow because we have Tony Green, Matthew Hine, Hazel, the Smugglers, and the amazing, incomparable Carmagda Forrest. This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report.
All right, all right, we're back here in the studio. We got with us Battersea. Hey, y'all, how you doing tonight, Battersea? Oh, we're doing good, yeah. Doing good. It's very warm, but uh, aside from that, we're we're enjoying it. Little toasty. This is kind of like Cali toasty, I'm telling you. It is. Boy. Hey, let me ask you guys this question. I, I, I don't, let me ask you this. Now, have any of you guys in the band done like a long stretch in lockup or anything like that, like maybe 16 months or more? That's a long uh, no, I had some detention uh, times in school that felt like that, but uh, not real. Super, <laughs> super. Time, you can count that detention time because that feels like an eternity, especially when you're, you know, 15. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Now that the name you got going, Battersea. Mm-hmm. Now, is that like a, are you, were you guys a Sea Scouts? You got some kind of maritime kind of naval thing going there? Or what? No, no. It's a, it's a part of London. And I just heard the name in a song, and I thought, oh, I like that. So, not, I liked it. Not a great story, but... Yeah, I thought it was like a sea of cake batter or something. Yeah, see, now that could have worked. Mm, you could go with that. You know, tell somebody that in the next interview. They might buy that. We'll have to make up a good story. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, 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 speaking of speaking of baking and, and sweet goods and stuff, what's your favorite ice cream? You know, because all we have is vanilla, so when you go to Baskin-Robbins, I kind of go wild. Wow, I had uh, hot buttered popcorn, or just buttered popcorn, because it couldn't be hot if it was ice cream, but just uh, uh, like a week ago, and that was pretty phenomenal, I gotta say. Buttered ice cream? Buttered popcorn flavored ice cream. Oh, really? Yeah. How was that? That was good? It was great. It's really good. Super. I tried, I tried, I gotta say, yeah. Now, now for the band Battersea, what are you guys' musical influences? Uh, all over the map. Uh, we like like the Smiths and Joy Division and uh, Public Image Limited and uh, some of those post punk bands from back then. We do a magazine cover. We like them a lot. Um, but you know some more current bands too. And they, even going back to like the sixties, we love the Sonics. We're huge fans Absolutely. of the Sonics. So. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So the Sonic 60s and the 80s mix in there, just give it a modern spin? Yeah, we try and take elements from every era and kind of blend them all together. All right, super. I like that. I like that. All right, so you're going to play one more song for us. What's the name of the last song you're going to do? Uh, this one's called Evergreen. Evergreen? Yeah. All right. Better see. Evergreen 
street Lost in last room too And they're alright But I found myself here I need to, to get something going here, Derek. It's about that time for highlights. It's that type of highlight. All right. So our first highlight of the night comes from Spud's interview with Jim Gaffigan, where he talks to him about how what it's like to be a parent of five kids. And actually, one of Spud's former guests, uh, David Keckner, also has five kids, and he brings that up in the interview as well. Well, you know, the synopsis is, you know, the show's about balancing your, your character's life as a stand-up comedian with being the father of, of five kids. So here's my question. As an actual parent of five kids, I was just curious, if you ever had a sit-down with uh, David Keckner and shared notes, as he has five kids too, you know? Yeah, no, well, Keckner, um, when I guest hosted The Late Late Show, he was, uh, you know, I had him as a guest on the show yeah. intentionally for that reason. And, uh, you know, there's something, you know, crazy about the concept of having five kids and being a dad that, uh, you know, there's probably no coincidence that Kefner and I are both, you know, losing our hair because it's, it's no small task, but we, we do love it. Well, I don't have five kids, and I'm there, too. Yeah, I I can can see that, definitely. Well, you know, one night uh, David was supposed to call in, but he had to put the kids to bed first, so we got it done afterwards. So, you know, it's priorities. His kids do come first before stupid radio interviews, that's for sure. But, yeah, I can imagine you must have your hands full. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah, no, people always say that. Let's say you got your hands full. And, uh, and it's you know, it's definitely the case. And, you know, the weird thing is, like, working on this show... You know, Gina, you, you're going to try for that five? You're going to do yeah, that? You're already, you're already, you know, part not, of the way there. Yeah, no, not at all. But, you know, when I was in labor, we watched Jim Gaffigan. You did? Yeah. Trying to use that inspiration there? To, or to, just... to laugh, to, to make me not think oh. of the horrible pain that I was in. I just in. saw Jim Super. Gaffigan not too long ago. Oh, was oh, yeah? it, it's funny, isn't it, that Jim Gaffigan? Yeah, it was the special on Netflix. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I got to check out more of him. I, he had me laughing what I did see, man. We come Mm -hmm. from different worlds, but you know what? I still could connect to him. I could connect there. All right, let's get back to some more music here. Now, we got a band from Madrid's Nicaragua. This is The Parrots with I Did Something Wrong. And after that, we have Mink DeVille with This Must Be The Night. Uh 
be the night I can feel it to my fingertips Maybe just around the corner Something waiting for me Stay tuned for more of the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Uh, so, Lawrence, we have a call holding. I, I think it's Accordion Joe. Do you want to take it? Yeah, uh, yeah, we could take it. Uh, go, yeah, go ahead and put him on. Am I on the air? Uh, yes, you are Accordion Joe. Go ahead. Is Spud still in the studio? I've been trying to get through on the phone since the most, you know, that first hour started when they brought up that most memorable moment question. 
I started dialing right away, and that intern, Trent, that little rat fink, I think he purposely oh. put me on hold oh. through the whole show. I mean, what the hell's up with that? Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. You know that Trent was just following procedure and all, you know, right? Uh, executive producer, she said that you're not allowed on the air in the first hour with Spud, you know. It's something about you being a ratings killer or something like that. I don't know why she said it's okay for you to be on the, the, the post-show report, though, but... Uh, maybe maybe it's a you and spread together something like that. Maybe that's just too much for people to stomach. Well, does anyone want to know what my most memorable moment is? I've been waiting for years to be asked by Spud, and he keeps ignoring me. I have so many to choose from, man. You know, I'm no kid. You know. So, just how old are you, accordion Joe? I was told by my manager Stevie Harris years ago when I was right before. It was right before he keeled over and kicked the bucket at one of my gigs at an Elks club. He said, super, never, super. ever spill the beans on how old you are until you get ready to retire from show business. He said, yeah, it might limit your opportunities. So you aren't already retired? Oh, hell no. I'm in the prime right now. I mean, when you're a world-class accordion player... If you stay in shape, you should be able to perform until you're, you know, into your 90s at least. I mean, I might have to start wearing a girdle or something for back support, but, I mean, I have no plans for retiring for sure. Listen, listen, Joey. If I ask you that question, is that going to make you happy? I mean, I could do that. That's not a problem. Well, no offense, Lawrence, but it wouldn't be the same coming from you or anyone really other than Spud. During our cable TV show, I had to sit there and listen to him ask it to every celebrity guest. And I've been waiting for so long to finally answer it myself. I mean, can you please tell Spud to call me at home? I mean, he can ask me over the phone. I mean, he don't have to, you know, have to say anything on the air or anything. But I just want to answer the damn question. I mean, it's on my bucket list. All right, all right. Super. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have one of the interns. They'll text Spud, and they'll tell him to call you. Now, is that it? Yeah, I, I really appreciate you passing it on to Spud. Hey, can I play a little bit of a song? I've been practicing all day for hey, this. Hang I mean, up this now. I mean, you guys are yeah, really yeah. going to get up on this, up rascal. Cut him up. So here it goes. Are you guys ready for this? No. Oh, this is awesome. All right, well, we, we need to get back to the music real quick like here. So we're going to lead off with a classic tune from LL Cool J, Mama Said, Knock You Out. Then we have the still totally amazing Sonics with a live version of The Witch from 1966. Man. And with the local DBC news, LL Cool J with a triumphant comeback. More but tonight... Don't call it a comeback!
Ready. Are we ready? Something something really good. Yeah, so really this good. one's uh this one takes a little bit more of a serious note. You know when you guys when your guys' uh dads would say they're not mad at you, they're just disappointed. Oh, that's the worst. How much oh, wor- yeah. it's so much worse yeah. than them just being mad at you. Well, one of our founding fathers is disappointed in us right now. And in this week's Out of This so World segment, so. Ted Mar tells us all about it. Hmm. You know, tonight I was hoping you could maybe have a conversation with Benjamin Franklin, you know, about his penny saved is a penny earned deal. Uh, I mean, can you ask him how he feels about people now treating pennies like annoying garbage? Because that must be dispiriting to him. Because, you know, he, he pays attention to what's going on in the country right now, doesn't he? Let me meditate for a moment. All right. Okay, he's here with me now. He's shaking his head at the state of um, at, at the state of our country right now. Yeah, really? he, he, yeah, he and the other signers of the Constitution worked so hard to create a a a a, a wonderful country, and for many years it it is it, it was and it still is in many ways. But he's he's shaking his head because um, because of all the preoccupation with unnecessary security. He says that's been gerrymandered and fostered by an internal group within the United States. And he also is, is having me share, a, uh, wants me to share a famous quote of his, that people, that a country or a people who trades um, security for liberty deserves neither. Yes. Yes. Well stated, if you could tell Benjamin that. Uh, so he... 
It sounds like he, you know, I was hoping that maybe since they put him on the hundred dollar bill that he would be less cranky about it, but he's still kind of no, cranky we're about still, that. We're still not doing things right. I'd like to know what he thinks about taking Alexander Hamilton off the ten dollar bill. Oh, I mean, they, they, those guys were friends at the Constitutional Convention. I think Hamilton's getting a bum deal. So where, who are they going to put on there then? Uh, they haven't decided yet. It's, it's kind of like anybody but Hamilton. And uh, uh, Why uh, are they taking him off? Uh, he ha- he still has enemies to this day, 250 years later, you know? Yeah. Wait a minute. He's the one who got in a shooting match with that, that other guy, right? Aaron Burr. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you know if Alexander Hamilton got in jail, he would have shanked instead of uh, Aaron Burr. It would have been just put under him real quick. That could be, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we got to get Burt Convy back on the on the on the twenty dollar bill. I'm a big fan of Burt Convy. Let's show him some. Music. All right, super. All right. I, before I go on the Burt Convy kick, because I can, we'll do some music to put a stop to me. Uh, we're gonna lead off with the band Thirteen Scars, and they performed the song live right here on Spud Show a little while back. And this is the studio version of Enemy. And after we play that, we've got the Copper Family with Old Fashioned Gal. Let's roll with this. Secrets you just tell. You 
Goodman Post Show Report. You know, that's so good. We're going to do one more. Right? We got one more. One more lined up. I just so happen to have it for you. So our final clip of the night comes from Spud's interview with Cherie Curry. Uh, he's talking to her about how life changed at 15 years old when she started fronting The Runaways. It's a really fun album and uh, very proud of it. Super. Well, let me start at the beginning because that seems like a like a smart place to to start. Um, you led a semi normal life, uh, right? For a teenage girl living in the San Fernando Valley, you enjoyed what skateboarding? I don't know, surfing, probably shopping. And then at fifteen, with no prior experience, you're asked to be the lead singer in a band that became the Runaways. Was that like extreme confidence or total naivete that motivated you to like jump in and just go for it? 
Well, um, hmm, yeah, I was a surfer and I was a skateboarder and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, but I, I started. Uh, my friend Paul Lesperance uh, turned me on to David Bowie and Susie Quattro, and uh, and I really. Um, when I went to see David Bowie in concert at the Universal Amphitheater, his Diamond Dogs tour, uh, I, I was just hooked, and something inside me just said, you can do this. And, and I, that I'd actually set my mind to it uh, before I met Joan and, uh, and Kim Fowley. Super. Well, the Runaways, what, were, were the first all-female rock band that, you know, obviously led the way to many other women later forming punk bands and, you know, kind of saying, hey, what's up with just the all-male vi- male vibe, you know, in rock? So, I mean, you guys were beyond trailblazers. Uh, uh, I got to ask you, though, what I wanted to say was you later headlined, right? And you had all-male bands opening up for you. So did you, Lita Ford, Joan Jett, or Sandy West experience like like blowback, animosity, jealousy from the guys in those bands? No. Well, um, no. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Cheap Trick. I mean, they were just terrific. I mean, we really, uh, we were very blessed with a lot of these guys. We ended up war- bringing them out here to Los Angeles and, uh, and working with them doing gigs here like the Santa Monica Civic, and, you know, in 76. Uh, but yeah, we did get blowback usually when we were opening for some male bands such as Rush. I mean, they weren't all that kind, but oh, you know, so um, what happened? But I, but I also have to say that we were the first uh, teenage rock and roll group, um, I, uh, all female, because I know there were other female groups uh, before us, but um, but we were the first teenage uh, female rock band. And I, I think the genre you guys uh, assumed, I, I, I saw it as unique, and I'm old enough to have been around. Uh, I didn't see anybody else like you guys, so I'll just put it that way. So, um, Yeah, well, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, so you're- I think it's refreshing to see the females in rock and roll, you know, because they, they just bring a whole raw sound because it's such a, you know, a male-dominated industry oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. It's nice to see a female bring a hard edge and to know that they can rock just as hard as any male can, you know? Just as hard. You know, I guess I'm just pro-female because I've just been around too many males for too many years. So, you know, anytime a female brings it, I'm applauding all the way to the back. It's also nice to get my long-held suspicion that Rush is a bunch of jerks confirmed. (laughs) Oh, man, uh uh-oh. Someone's going to come out swinging. He's talking trash on Rush. Uh-oh. <laughs> wow. I know. I just so, wanted to find out if TJ was listening. Oh, well, you're, you're going to find out soon enough. I guarantee you that. If he's listening, you'll see him soon enough fighting. All right, for our last double play, we're going to do another Northwest band. And these guys performed on Spud's show. This is the F King Eagles and the live recording from their appearance titled Gotta Go Now. And after that, we have the Hold Steady with the Weekenders. Yes, it's that time again. I'm excited to hear them one more time. Here are the King Eagles. Now I'm stupid 
Ed Goodman, Post Show Report. All right, you guys. You know, I'm sad to say that we're out of time, so you know we got to wrap it up. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, it was a pretty good show, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, not really as tight and well paced as last week, right, Gina? I mean, if anyone didn't get a chance to hear me as the host of that episode, it can be downloaded at spudgoodman.com or at iTunes. I'm pretty proud of my performance. Wait, hold on a second. Performance. Now, now, did you like play an instrument or something like that when I wasn't here? Did well, you do something besides uh, talk? Not- no, that's about it. Super. Really? Okay. Hmm. I think what I do on air is so much more than just talk. I mean, I bring a certain flavor to the broadcast. Something that, in the opinion of the many people who have emailed me recently, well, let's just say they like me. They really, really like me. I guess you are an acquired taste there. Yeah, like umami. <laughs> All right, super. I will give it some more time and see if my opinion changes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I tell you, it's good to know that you hold yourself in such high regard there, man. Okay, hey, Gina, you know, I gotta re- be, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what your most memorable moment is, you know, because that was the theme of Spud's uh, first hour yeah. and all, right? Um, you know, well, it would probably be the Juggalos gathering my boyfriend and I went to last year. The music and fellowship was incredible. Yeah, I think that would have to be it. Yeah, you do love your insane clown posse, don't you, Gina? Hey, yeah, you- do you guys want to hear my most memorable moment? I actually have a couple. I mean, probably my favorite, though, was when yeah, I... Yeah, let me, let me stop. Hold that story. Well, All right, because you know we got we got to we gotta say thank the panel on. here. Dave, Dave, we got to thank you. A pleasure as always, Lawrence. A pleasure to have you on the soundboard. Great job there, Mike. Our engineer, thank you for your work. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. We appreciate it. Oh, Anna and Trey, we got to thank our ex-interns. You know, we hope you never grow up and move out because we love you guys and we love having you. And we love, uh, we're going to leave everyone with a little bit of uh, this song. This one's from (laughs) the Three Stooges. It's called Abba Dabba Honeymoon. I hope we all get together and convene here next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Yeah, good night, everyone. And email me if you want to. That. Said the monkey to the chimp. All night long they chatter away. All day long they were happy and gay. Swinging and singing in the hunky tonky way. Abadabadabadabadabadab means monk, I love but you. Babadabin monkey talk means chimp, I love you too. Then the big baboon one night in June, he married them, and very soon they went upon their abadabba honeymoon. Abadabadabadabadabadabadab said the chimpy to the monk. Babadabadabadabadabadab said the monkey to the chimp. All night long they chatter away, all day long they were happy and gay, swinging and singing in the hunky-tonky way. Abba-dabba-dabba-dabba-dabba-dabba-dabba-dabba means monk I love but you. Babadab in monkey talk means chimp I love you too. One night they were made man and wife and now they cry this is the life since they came back from their abba-dabba honey, abba-dabba honey, abba-dabba honey. Hey, the needle's stuck. Since they came back from their abba-dabba honey moon.
The Spud Goodman Post Show Report is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Associate producer, David Deer. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Audio highlights, Derek Schneider. Our interns are Anna Howell and Trent Botello. Theme music composed and performed by Brian J. Martin. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. <laughs>